Greetings, Tradmen listeners. In this episode, the Tradmen were joined by Angela Erickson from the blog and podcast Integrated with Angela Erickson to discuss how the violence of abortion is the real misogyny of our culture. Now, interestingly enough, we thought we had chosen this topic at random, but as usual, God was working. What we did not know was that we were, while we were doing this actual recording, the now famous draft of the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs v. Jackson to overturn Roe v. Wade was being leaked. Uh, thus, we were able to address this in editing, but not during the actual podcast. And so what we decided to do was close our episode with a rendition of the beautiful prayer, the Te Deum, to give thanks to God for this reaffirmation of every human being's right to life. Deo gracias. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Tradman, everybody. Jason, how you doing? Pretty good, Mark. How you doing? Traveling around the world, Mr. Jet Set. <laughs> yeah, I just started doing that again. So, Got a fun episode, really interesting episode uh, tonight. Uh, but before we get started, uh, Jason, why don't you uh, lead us off uh, in prayer? We're going to say a quick prayer. And uh, I think, uh, Jason, you have, a, you have it ready? Yeah, I have it ready. So it's a prayer for the unborn. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, in your love for us, protect against the wickedness of the devil, those helpless little ones to whom you have given the gift of life. Touch with pity the hearts of those women pregnant in our world today, motherhood. Help them to see that the child they carry is made in your image, as well as theirs, made for eternal life their fear and selfishness and give them true womanly hearts to love their babies and give them birth and all the needed care that a mother can give we ask this through jesus christ your son our lord who reign who lives and reigns with you in the holy spirit one god forever and ever amen, amen. in the name of the father and the son and the holy ghost amen, amen. so our guest we have our first ever the, trad woman on the show don't we Ooh, what <laughs> yeah it is the first <laughs> And misogyny is in the title too, so go figure. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> like, like a true patriarchal, you know, institution, that's the right. whole thing, you know. Exactly. Yeah. That's what we're striving for, you know. That's right. <laughs> um, so our guest today is Angela Erickson, and Angela, we appreciate you agreeing to. Today. We're going to talk about abortion, the ultimate misogyny, and it's actually a uh, topic that that I read on one of your posts on social media but before we start i was just going to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself maybe tell us about your podcast and anything else you'd like to oh awesome so um as you said my name is angela erickson and i i don't know i've been cat life and um got into pro activism in college and eventually worked for life site news right out of college actually i did work for life site news i worked for um, for a year, and then um, I 
shortly after that, um, doing a pro-life radio show every week. I ran a pregnancy medical center for two years and site news, doing development work. Um, and now I run a podcast in addition to the radio show um, called Integrated with Angela Erickson. And we just talk about different things going on either in the church or different topics in general about we can integrate both the body and the soul because I just think um, there's a lot of Gnosticism obviously today and I think it's a big reason why so many people because they feel this disconnect between their bodies and their souls and so how do we reconnect that bridge the gap so that people can live authentically Christian specifically Catholic but um, live their lives as disciples of Christ um, really truly ordered interiorly and towards heaven so that's a little bit about me. I also am a mom um, with five. I just had my fifth kid, and I've been married Congratulations. for Congratulations. A bit of, uh, close to eight years. Thank you so much. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. Welcome to the show. So, you know, in today's, uh, getting, getting on to a topic here, in today's world, this is actually a, a, a topic that Mark and myself are supposedly not supposed to speak about, right, abortion, that Absolutely if not. you're against... Yeah, if you're if you're against abortion, you're anti-woman, you're misogynistic, you're all kinds of derogatory terms towards women, right? I came across a post that you listed the other day, or that you made the other day, and you actually made the opposite claim. You said that abortion is the ultimate misogyny, that it is the ultimate anti-woman. And in a fun little video you posted the feminist to come at you with that. So with yeah, that said, I didn't get any. <laughs> you didn't get any hits on it. Not, not too. Much. We'll see. So um, yeah. I, I was just going to give you an opportunity just to expand on that and and maybe explain why uh, you believe that abortion is actually anti-woman. Sure. Well, I think as Catholics we understand that abortion is this the supreme. Um, anti-sacrament, so to speak. It really is a mockery of the Eucharist and, an, and of Our Lady, right, and her fiat. Uh, Lady said, yes, Lord, let it be done unto me according to thy word, or to, to Gabriel. Um, you know, rejection of motherhood, even in a, if it's a surprise um, or, you know, sudden. And um, I do think that, um, right, like the child is, bears the image of God, just like is truly God. So with all of that being said, it it makes a lot of sense that the devil would take something and pervert it, right? In all of the feminist language, um, you know, it's this constant double speak, right? They're saying it's misogynist. There's nothing more antithetical, antithetical to um, being a woman and being a mother. You see it also with the transgenderism that we're seeing today. Everything is completely inverted, right? Um, and so I think what people fail to mention or talk about when we're talking about abortion and why it's actually misogynist because it lets men off the hook who um, don't want to be dads. And I've seen it time and time again, either on college campuses, talking to young men or young women who have been coerced into abortion um, and seen it out on the sidewalk. You see these guys driving uh, their girlfriends into the abortion mill because they just don't want to take responsibility, um, which is also antithetical 
masculinity, right? It's a complete uh, inversion of masculinity because you as men are meant to protect and provide for both the the woman and your offspring. That is part of your nature. So um, it's it's the devil taking something and completely inverting our nature for um, a selfish and extremely harmful end. Um, And it really does kill not just the soul of the child, but the soul of anyone involved. I've had the the idea a couple of times, or I don't know if it was my idea or if other people have had it, but the, the, the sexual revolution or the ethics proclaimed in that of the 1960s was, in my opinion, one of the biggest crimes committed against women that I think has ever happened to humanity. You know, for since since our since we've been a species um the way it works is um you know men have something women want which is marriage Mm -hmm. and women have something that men want which is sex and so if you gonna if you want if you want to get what you want you've got to give me what i want Mm -hmm. and that works that that has worked very well and 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 of course uh built every civilization we can imagine. And then in the 1960s, we convinced women that it was in their interests to give us what we want without ever having to give them what they want while convincing them that this was about their liberation. What a sham. What Yeah, I could not agree more. Sham. When you look Um, at women today, they're so unhappy. Just look at them. Um, You know, women aren't happy doing both going to work and trying to maintain a home, right? And you see, so this is the issue that I, I think I have. I used to call myself a pro-life feminist because, um, you know, not, not necessarily to knock students for life America, but they really instill in you um, as somebody who works there or going to college campuses that it's kind of trendy to label yourself as a pro-life feminist. And once I decided to stay home with my children, um, after our third, that was when I was like, I can't, I it's, I knew it was not in accord with my nature and that my children were the ones ultimately paying the consequence for me trying to pursue a job outside of the house. Um, And so the more I started to get home identity crisis that moms experience, especially when they um, are leaving a career and trying to embrace motherhood in its, in its totality. um, You know, first of all, nobody's willing to admit that when you send your children off to daycare, you are provider. And you have to be okay with oh, yeah. that. Like you, as a as a mom, have to be okay with that. I wasn't okay with that. Um, or or co-parenting with the government if you're sending your kids to public school or any school really. Um, you have to be okay and trust those people, and really be able to give that up to to God in a way that I just am not sure that I was. I just wasn't okay with that, and I'm not sure that I feel that's in accord with with motherhood. Um, not to knock anyone who does it because i know a lot of people feel like they have to work for whatever reason i feel like that caveat always needs to be said and it is unfortunate that things are extremely expensive expensive by the minute um so there is that reality there and i don't want to negate you know minimize that at all um but pro-life feminism never addresses the reality that if it weren't for this three-legged stool of both of, of sterilization and contraception you would not have women in the workforce in mass it wouldn't be tenable do you know then they would have more kids and you cannot work the more kids that you have like it i could not be working outside of my house with five kids daycare is ex- exhaustive not to mention the payoff is just not 
you're working for half of your salary, if that. And the reality is, is that often the husband could be compensating for that by working overtime or picking up a second job if he needs to. But um, it, it just does more harm than good. One of the ones who suffer the most. So why isn't the pro-life movement talking about that? So um, I can't even remember your, your question. I just feel like it needs to be said that, you know, we have to start speaking honestly because it's a rot in the church and the church has embraced it in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think by and uh, go ahead, Jason, I'm sorry. I'm just going to add that um, earlier you, you, when you were mentioning, you know, women having to work, feeling they have to work outside the home today, it reminded me of a, of a story that I heard years ago. And while, while the feminists deserve a lot of blame for the situation that we're in, you know, men as a whole do as well in this sense, because Absolutely. what kind of environment are we as home that we want that that our wives are feeling like I am not I am not enough. I need to do more as as men. Historically, you know, we we go to our job. We don't like our job. We don't like a lot of the people we work with. We have to deal with with people's baloney all day. We come home and we complain about it. What are we doing at home that that is making our wives, you know, back back when this whole sexual revolution started, our wives were hearing about how horrible it was to be out in the world working, yet we were not treating should be at home that they said, you know what, I would rather go out into the world and feel valued because we're not letting our women feel valued. I say that all because this all drives the abortion industry, right? Femi feminists are responsible for it. men when we don't treat our wives like they need to be treated like they should be treated also fueling that industry yeah i think that's a really good and i think sometimes it gets lost as well in the uh traditional catholic discourse because you do have the you know you do have those people in the traditionalist movement give kind of a bad taste in people's mouth in terms of how they speak about um, the hierarchy within the family. It's a natural hierarchy. Every big or small has a hierarchy. That's just a reality. Um, and so, yes, it makes sense that the man would be the head of the home, but not in an authoritarian um, dictator way. Um, and I think sometimes there are people, Catholics, who genuinely believe that that is legitimate. And because it's an affront to the dignity of, of the wife as a human being and as, as someone who bears the image of God and has been entrusted the monumental task of bearing children and having God within their wounds. I mean, they are living tabernacles, not in a narrative way, in a ty archetype, right? And so I think we do, that also needs to be acknowledged. And, you know, going back to your point about how abortion really is the biggest, it's truly ever. I mean, yes, you have husbands bringing their wives and, and absconding from their role as, as a father by bringing their wives to the abortion clinic, by treating their wives poorly or their children. You also have abortion aiding and abetting in the sex trafficking industry. Um, everything, rapists get, get off the hook. You know, the only way you can really get a, a rapist in jail is with proof. And if you're killing the proof, um, you know, you're kind of SOL and some other evidence to present and there is no um there's no other evidence that as is as um as a child right um so yeah i, I think it is truly the most misogynistic thing on every level and it is fueled 
um, in part by women who have accepted it, accepted the notion that um, they have more value out of home and meeting their quote unquote potential. Um, and that is reinforced by how their husbands are. Absolutely. And you know, I've, I think it, it also, oh, sorry, well, yeah, we must have a little bit of a delay here. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, no, I was just going to add, I, I've recently come across two stories that brought me to tears because, and, and it goes back to this whole abortion and misogyny, it, or, right? It was about two men whose, I don't know if they were their girlfriends or wives, I can't remember, didn't want to have the, so they secretly slipped abortion pills or other you know, abortion-inducing drugs into these women's body without their consent. And yeah. really, the, the, the world, the feminists should be in outrage about that. But I haven't seen, and, and maybe I've just missed a single feminist how to say, you are violating not only the, the, the baby and that woman's dignity as well, and it's just silence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is often radio silence when they come upon the issues. And, and two, what most people don't realize is that prior to this, the 2020 pandemic, um, the related abortion pills, you could not mail order abortion pills. Um, and yet the Biden administration, our lovely Catholic uh, president, has made it totally 100% accessible during the pandemic under needing it because they couldn't go into facilities um, to procure their abortions. And what most people don't realize is that the abortion pills are more dangerous for the women than surgical abortions from a statistical standpoint. Um, it seems counterintuitive, but often because you're getting a physical exam or what have you, um, the abortion may not be complete. The woman can end up hemorrhaging. There might be retained, um, you know, there might be retained tissue from the baby or the placenta, things like that, that cause an infection. She needs to go to the ER. And so these are way, this is extraordinarily dangerous. Um, and, and yet here we have um, organizations all over the country now preparing for a post-row world, looking to make this more readily and and the reality is too is that they can earn um, a lot of of abortionists can actually earn two abortions on a single pregnancy because if the abortion pill doesn't work then she has to come in later for a surgical abortion and so it is kind it contributes to a business model where they make it really accessible sure but they're endangering more women and um, and they have the potential to earn twice as much on that woman so most people. What is it? I like to think sometimes about what our values say about our attitudes in society. What do you think it says about our attitudes of, of women and their and their role in in society? When, if I were to um, commit infanticide, then I would be held accountable. I would be tried and and convicted, and I would have to pay the the punishment that society deems of me. But women have the right to do that, so so we use that word right. Mm -hmm. And so essentially, in my mind, what we're saying is, well, because he's a man, he's a ra he he is a rational and moral actor, um, and because she's a woman, I mean, she's a person, but not the not a person the same way that I am. So mm -hmm. her accountability, I mean, that's unfair to hold her accountable for things like that because. You know, she's not quite as uh, doesn't quite have the dignity of moral responsibility. And 
I mean, that's a, what an incredibly dehumanizing thing to say about women, that they're not moral actors and persons accountable for their behavior the same way that men are. The, what an incredibly dehumanizing thing to say. I can't even, <laughs> the sheer narcissism of something like that is almost unbelievable. Yeah, and, and that I think is definitely an interesting interpretation. I think a lot of women would not see it that way because I think for a lot of women, um, especially pro-abortion, See the issue as being an issue of bodily autonomy and uh, whether or not the child is wanted. It has to do with this wantedness of the of the human child. And so, you know, those who are the most intellectually dishonest will claim that the baby is not a human baby. I always ask, well, if it's not a human fetus, what kind of a fetus is it exactly? Um, because we just we are not capable of conceiving anything other than human beings. It's it's impossible. Um, and so when we talk about this issue, then it really comes down to, okay, this question of bodily autonomy, um, because women, obviously we see ourselves and we are um, moral actors in the world. Um, but I think a lot of women see that the the woman in the unplanned pregnancy is in crisis. And, you know, there's real physiological response happens in the brain when a woman is in crisis, right? Like her, her frontal lobe ceases working just like anybody, right? You go into fight or flight to the most um, instinctive animal are what start functioning and they override reason. Um, and that's that's from like the more compassionate perspective. The viewpoint I like to take for women who are actually experiencing um, an unplanned pregnancy because I think it gives us better insight and we can be more compassionate to women in that situation because I mean, we all know uh, it really does change your life. Um, but you're right in the sense that you have ragey feminists that are screwed how we need to have, um, abortion on demand for whatever reason through all nine months of pregnancy and now beyond. Um, and we can talk about, but, um, but really they're not so much thinking about the woman in crisis as because we know that the abortion industry exploits in crisis, right? They capitalize on an opportunity. I mean, any good salesman knows that if you, you can, can pressure somebody and get them from, get them to make a quick snap decision, um, you've done a good job, right? You're not going to give everyone total informed consent, which the abortion industry never gives women full informed consent. All those things, they're really pushing her into this, you know, you have now, otherwise it's going to, you know, the baby's going to be too far along. We can't pr provide you with an abortion anymore. We can't commit that on you. A lot of fear tactics to get women to embrace this and feminists say it's important because you know the woman is in crisis not necessarily is um, not a moral actor and that's why they would say this is moral right like because it preserves the life her, um, her way of living I'm, I'm assuming you, you probably interact with with these uh, pro-abortion feminists probably way more than I do do you get the sense I get the sense these are not happy people and it, no, and I've I never met a feminist that, that I thought was a happy person. And and there's a lot about haven't. abortion that is about self-hate. And mm -hmm. I saw a thing recently. It was it, maybe it was on Matt Knowles' show, but I, it was one of these shows where libs of TikTok. So you've got a feminist screaming into the Internet, right? And we're all laughing. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't think there's anything to laugh at here. This is a deeply wounded child of God yes. who, is, who, who doesn't quite know why she's angry but she hates herself and mm -hmm. she's screaming at abortion and then she said it she said i wish i was aborted mm. 
Yeah, there's a- and I, I like a part of me died inside, and I thought, I mm-hmm. wonder if her mother w- saw that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a what a and 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 I really do hope that sister finds some some consolation, and and she's definitely got to be in our prayers for sure because it's it's my estimation that a lot of this is about something other than uh, a conversation about you know w- women's liberation. And it seems to be about something much deeper and and more pathological than that. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely. Um, but I also think this is my my thesis. I, I'm actually in the middle of writing a long piece about this. Um, but what I suspect is that, especially because of feminism, and even early, the groundwork was laid before um, the legal before women going out in mass into the workforce right um i was just doing some research today actually i mean back in the 1800s it was the average household the average woman gave birth to about seven children a little bit more today the average woman gives birth to children and why is that and how has the impact of um sending our kids off to public school women going into the work and feminism um, what has that had on how women view motherhood and how they and how do they learn about motherhood? And what I think is that, you know, especially for most fathers were not around. And honestly, how many of their fathers were too? I mean, there's a huge motherhood, mother wound and a huge father wound because, you know, divorce is all in part because of feminism and the feminist rev- revolution being separated physically all day from their families, both their husband and their children, they're pursuing their own things. Um, and that because children have been the ones to experience the brunt of those decisions by being cast off and put into the care of other individuals and in within institutions. Oh, it's my baby. Does, is she hungry? Um, <laughs> this is pro-life as it gets, yes. right? So That's it. That's right. That because women were not raised in a home with mothers this is veronica sorry i better like make sure you know especially after all the the talk on twitter lately about breastfeeding oh yeah i saw that (laughs) i don't want to scandalize anybody okay um the the thing is is that um most of these women didn't learn how to be mothers model for them. Their moms didn't, they didn't have big families. They weren't expected to babysit or take care of younger siblings because they didn't have any. And so as women grew older, when they finally became parents, it was extremely overwhelming. It is overwhelming. I mean, for any first time parent, but um, imagine trying to learn how to take care of other human beings on a physical level, an emotional level, um, and not having any spare time for yourself and trying to acquire the skills of home homekeeping, cooking, baking, cleaning. I mean, most women don't even wait until they go to college. The first diaper that they're changing is that of their firstborn. I mean, it's a lot to learn and learn how to navigate. So um, I think that's a really big reason why women push for protect right to abortion because um, they simply don't know how to be mothers and they weren't raised to be mothers. They were raised to have a career. I want to go, I want to go back and kind of touch said earlier when you were talking about um, these abortion clinics don't give the I believe you said full consent to the to the women that, that are seeking abortion and I was gonna ha- if you can speak to what you mean by that because 
Right. That also comes out as very woman because it's not a it's not very respectful to the woman to withhold information and to basically deceive that woman because again it goes back to respecting women you're not respecting that woman if you're not letting her make a fully informed decision am i am i right in thinking that way absolutely it's an affront to uh, the dignity of the human person to i mean it's, it's kind of one of the big issues right with covid um people weren't allowed to make fully informed decisions about the vaccine we didn't have enough data um, to really make informed decisions about this thing and it was still being people are being punished this experimental drug this experimental treatment and you see the same thing in clinics they don't talk about um the potential emotional side effects um, they don't talk about the potential complications. They don't talk about fetal development. All out of this notion is false compassion, I think, for some people. And I think it's it's just um, all evil <laughs> for other people. Um, but I think that there's a... I don't want to shame women for being there in the first place or whatever. I mean, I... I people are doing atrocious, evil things and participating in an evil industry. I think um, we as capacity to lie to ourselves and uh and do things that are not okay but try to justify them and i think a lot of people working in the genuinely think they're doing something good for women um but they're not taking into account one reality or two our very nature or three exactly um so yeah that's that's basically what i i would have to say about that well, and I would say that they're not even taking into uh, consideration the mental toll that abortion seems to have on the majority of women. Because you have, I know you have these, and I would even argue that the majority of them are probably fooling themselves and or just flat out being deceptive. But you know that that will scream, you know, that scream your abortion or whatever. But but I. When you when you read the data, when you read the interviews of women, even 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 ones that still support it today, I've come across them where they still struggle mentally, whether it was the right decision or not, or they have other mental health issues related to the abortion. So that leads me to something that I've been thinking for a while, which is that. Yeah, as Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And in fact, most women I know who are post-abortive have that experience. And are, no, I that's okay. Yeah, we must have a bit of All right. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> It'll all get fixed in editing, folks. Um, I think that's something that we as Catholics sometimes can lose sight of when we talk about this. Is uh, there, there's a tendency sometimes to go from abortion is evil, which it is, to she is evil because she got an abortion. Um, and I think more is right. needed to say that um, this sister in Christ now, now okay, so, so she's, she has completed a procured abortion. She might, she, she probably needs emotional and spiritual guidance. Um, we need to come up, we need to provide care resources and then we need to provide for her a way back to reconciliation with Christ after, you know, the, the, a, a, an understanding of what has happened and, and a chance to be uh, repentant because we, we, we should not want any uh, soul 
to perish uh, in, in such a state and we should want everyone to go to heaven. Um, I, I, one of the things I liked about, I've, I've loved about the Knights of Columbus is our, uh, they have put a lot of resources into, um, you know, instead of condemning women who are, you know, in a crisis situation and you better not get an abortion, you'll go to hell. Instead of that, what can we, how can we help? What, what is it, what is it you need? You know, if, is it, um, is it, is it, is it purely, is it about money? Is it about uh, career? Is it, is it, is there maybe vocational training we might be able to help you out with? There are all kinds of resources that we as Catholics need to be made available to women who are in crisis so that they don't make a, a terrible decision that they might regret for the rest of their life. And that's something that men are responsible in this discussion too. This isn't just a women's issue. And, and, and that's something I think we need to think more about. So just a quick moment, my mic unplugged from my uh, computer and it's not, it's not now my computer mic and everything is there any okay. way we could like re jump on the call and get my yeah. mic hooked up and we can pick yeah, it up absolutely. right from there yes and i do remember i can just pick up where we left off if you want yeah for sure go ahead okay. are we, oh we are recording okay perfect so one thing that i think when we're talking to women about um, and finding ways to be more supportive of them when they are experiencing an unexpected pregnancy, um, like we have to be more aware of the resources available to them in the community. I think that's there's the biggest misconception I think out there for people who are pro-abortion is that they think that there aren't any resources for women couldn't be further from the truth. Um, there are more pregnancy centers out there than there are like and federally qualified health centers than there are. Planned Parenthoods and, and abortion mills. Um, you know, there, there's not programs, state assistance, all those things. Um, there are so many resources and a lot of pregnancy centers offer material assistance. I know the one that I ran, um, we had the fullest baby boutique you could possibly imagine. We offered maternity items for the women for free spend any of the points that they would earn doing the parenting classes um, while they could get whatever they wanted, formula, diapers, wipes, clothes. I mean, you name it, they, we had it. Um, but also too, I think, um, you know, when we talk about the, the psychological effect of, of abortion, sure women understand that that's real because that component is often forgotten about. They're so focused on maintaining the life that they had, that they, there might be serious mental implications for that. So not only do they not know there are resources, but they don't anticipate the, the psychological suffering that they, they will endure more than likely. Um, I remember attending a Rachel's Vineyard as a support retreat. I don't know if you guys have heard of those, but they are retreats no, for... Oh, okay. So Rachel's Vineyard is an organization that works with post-abortive women and men, actually. And even those who... Um, siblings. I was there as a support person for somebody whose sibling had been aborted. And what they do is they focus on healing um, the wounds caused by abortion in someone's life. And they do a lot. I don't know everything that they do, but I know that I was there as a support person for one day for a couple of hours. Um, and what they did when I was there is that they read letters that they wrote to the miscarried or, miscarried or aborted babies. Um, and it was so powerful because there were couples there that had a 
30 years earlier and they were still grieving. Um, And so even, even if you don't think that you're going to regret your abortion, I mean, I watched grown men weep over the child that they had killed, you know, it was really, really powerful. And um, yeah, I just think we have to be talking about that more than we more than we do, and we have to get people on the other side um, have more honest conversations with them that are less combative, um, so that 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 is a real possibility. Yeah, abortion produces two victims, and that's mm-hmm. that's something that's very important. Um, at the minimum, be, at the minimum, absolutely, at the, at the minimum. I mean, I know post-abortive women who have nightmares. Um, about the children that they lost or um, I know of one she's pro-choice but yes has been haunted by her choice for her child and um, she even told me that one time her one of her born children asked sibling she had never told them that she had been pregnant before them but he knew that he had a brother and she and he asked her about it and she was it was and crazy, but yeah, I mean, there was no doubt in mind when I spoke with her that her child was in a sense haunting her, you know? Um, so, and that's something else that um, I'm sure she didn't anticipate she went to have that abortion. Well, I mean, it's basically PTSD is what some of these women are having, I would say, right? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. It is a traumatic. I mean, for some ways, some women getting pregnant and not being in a, in a stressful situation, it can be a lot to take in, um, especially if you've had a lot of children or, or you're, you know, imagine a woman living out on, um, you know, that is very traumatic and stressful. There's no doubt about that. And then you add on to that, that you decided to kill your child um, and you can't blame anybody else unless they're coerced into it or, or their other um, things, but even that extremely common, many women are coerced into abortion. When men say like, it's up to you, whatever you decide, um, all that that tells the woman is she's trying to read between the lines and say, you don't want this not going to provide or protect, um, me or this child because you don't really want it. Um, so that's another area where men have to step up and they have to stop letting women, um, dictate these things. You know, a woman in fear, it's like a, it's like an animal caught in a trap and they're willing to gnaw their own leg off. And they think that that's going to be the better way out. Right. And instead of waiting for somebody to help open that trap for them and help them heal. So that's, I think that's a a better way. Yeah. If you're a man and you're there with a woman who's considering having an abortion and your response is whatever you want to do, you might as well not even be there. I mean, it is the same as not being there. It is basically, you said, well, it might might be moral onus on you. Yeah, it might worse. even be worse, honestly. I mean, I think about all the times that you felt betrayed in your life um, or felt like there was someone who had a chance and they could have done something and they chose not to. Um, that is a trauma in and of itself, especially, you know, they resurface. And, and yeah, a lot of these women are repeating behaviors throughout their lives, too. I mean, there's there's so many things that come into this abortion situation, um, whether it's them, um, a lack of understanding of resources, a lack of um, understanding our nature. Uh, There's so much to be said. It's like, how much, how can you cover all this ground when you get into the nitty gritty of it? And it's like, it just comes down to who is the human person and why are they valuable? 
So let's talk about that because that's a that's a that's a that sort of is the basis of why the Catholic Church is against procured abortions in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, do you get the sense that our society has gotten the idea of of um, of, of rights and 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 who is and who is not a person? Do you think that we really understand these 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 things at least at some point, like we pretend we do, or or have we way outstepped our place in the hierarchy of creation and now, I mean, can't figure out very much about mm-hmm. anything about a human being anymore. Yeah, we don't know much about the human person. Any- it's it's always ironic, I think, when you um, have a more enlightened society that is more stupid. Um, more access to information than we've ever had with the internet and things like that, and yet we are less intelligent. Because I think a lot of it is because we spend so much time pacifying ourselves on our um, doing the hard intellectual lifting that I think other people would have historically done because their minds weren't always preoccupied, right? That's something that the devil does to us is it keeps us past busy on things that aren't truly worth our time. And I say this as somebody who wastes an extraordinary amount media and twitter that is i'm like i'm not i'm not (laughs) you know i'm not saying it to like call out actually calling myself out um because it's something i've been thinking a lot about um but i think that i people are so unthinking today and why we're so confused about the very core of who we are in our nature um not sincerely thinking about it because if you do i mean you you look at the human body i mean kind of the theology of the body however you Pope St. John Paul II, I mean, the theology of the body really points to the teleology of the human person. And you look at how a woman's body is made and how a man's body is made. And there's no doubt that they do not make sense without the other. Charity in every, in every aspect. Um, and, and when you can't think about something mental as that without um, turning it into something demented or denying something about the nature of the human person, um, then yeah, you do really stupid stuff and you accept really stupid um, premises about who the human person is. So, Speaking about theology of the body, um, you know, I know for me personally, me and my wife during our conversion, it was actually a pretty important uh, document or teaching that, you know, that came, she helped our, our marriage in many ways. And I say that because it, it leads into something else that I think, um, and you mentioned it in the beginning, that that fuels the abortion industry, which is contraception, right? Mm-hmm. Looking back uh, pre-conversion, we, we were against abortion. I've always been against abortion, but I wasn't always against contraception. And I never made the link between contraception and abortion. And looking back, there was many times where this contraceptive mentality made it, and I'm talking about me personally, made it all about me and desires, my wife, and any future uh, future life. Oh well, it's it's me. But I, I I never viewed it like that till I started getting into the theology of the body. Till I started reading Humanae Vitae, Catholic Nubian, and all these other documents that the churches put out. And you can see the wisdom. By saying no, abort. Not only is abortion evil, but so is contraception, and this is why, um, mm-hmm. because because it does it, it does feed this very talk as 
in the real sense, toxic masculinity, you know, as they like to say today, toxic masculinity that is very anti-woman and misogynistic because it's all about the man. And of course, that that mindset then also leads into the, the, the sex um, trafficking and assaults and the rape. I mean, it's all tied together. And mm-hmm. and for those who think that abortion is just you. about pornography, yes, exactly. And all those think that abortion is just about that that woman and the child. And we talked about two victims. And and you mentioned it at a minimum. There are far more that we'll never see uh, uh, due, due to this mindset. Yeah, the carnage is absolutely incalculable. Incalculable. Um, and yeah human trafficking, pornography, and look at the scourge that pornography is um, and how that has destroyed marriage as well. I mean, it it all ties together and that, um, I think that's part and so uniquely um, urgent. You know, I think if you root out abortion, the direct killing of innocent human life, then you can start to tackle some of these other things because you're driving a wedge into um, the business model for each you're perpetuating more violence on, on women and children. Um, but that's secondary to the abortion. Those things wouldn't be possible without abortion. Um, and so, yeah, I think we, we love that. And yes, the, the sexual act, um, really an act of selfishness when it's not truly fully faithfully given to one another, it, it plays to our most base desires. Um, the, just the truth of it. And, um, and yes, more um you know like that's a the sexual desire is very strong desires especially for for men and normal but yeah it has to be tempered by the intellect and the only way that's possible is if you are um that like a true sense of free will like you're making a conscious act accepting that this is given um regardless of the outcome because i truly love you and i will be here for you and and we're in this together just don't have with with the contraceptive mentality you definitely have um such a huge gateway open for person as a means to your own end for sexual gratification absolutely do you get the sense that um something's changing in our culture a little bit there there are states now that are passing laws that are uh i mean restrictive of abortion to the point of an of an outright ban in ways that I never thought, I never thought that I would see in my lifetime. I was pretty convinced by the time I was about 20 or 26 years old that the abortion ship in the United States had sailed and things were the way they were. And, and, and I, you know, maybe it'll get better in generations, but um, what, what, what has changed? What's, what's different? I mean, because something, there's been a shift somewhere and I don't know what the source of it is. I'm pleased with it and I'm, I'm glad to see it, but I never, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I mean, we're really polarized right now because uh, on the flip side of that, I mean, you have bills being introduced and in, in argued in California or Maryland that would legalize um, legalize infanticide too. So the scale on both ends um, vying for power, right? Um, and I think a, a large segment of women who are trying to reclaim their femininity because they realize it's been essentially stolen from them 
taught how to be feminine. Um, and I think there's a desire to reclaim that reclaim motherhood because um, all of the lies that they were sold about feminism and embracing a career and pers pursuing your own happiness is not nearly as fulfilling as motherhood because that's not what we're we're ordered towards even if it's hard and even if we feel overwhelmed by it um, we're naturally ordered towards the proliferation of more children and for child rearing and things like that and so i think there's a, a desire to we learn the wisdom that has been lost um, from women who lived before us but on the flip side of that you have as a result you the pendulum is always swinging when you have one force pulling hard one way the other force the other side is going to pull just as hard in the other direction right um so i think while there is this huge group of women who see the harm that abortion is and their the feminists are pushing back just as hard by trying, trying to, to um actually be more intellectually honest by legalizing infanticide enshrine abortion law into states so so the battle's not won yet is what you're saying <laughs> yeah it's not i mean here in the state of minnesota it's abortion is basically enshrined in our state constitution um and a lot of a lot of states now have trigger laws that when roe is overturned um they will have either no whatsoever or um abortion will be totally restricted um or you have more of these um incrementalist type laws that would say after a heartbeat after you know x y and z every time within the pregnancy so it really is quite varied right now so in in your experience talking about roe v um well anyway so in your experience if Roe v. Wade was overturned, I always hear the argument, well, abortion is still going to happen. It's just going to happen in a dark alley. In your experience uh, in, in, in talking uh, to people, what is your typical response to that argument? It's just a bad argument, and it's intellectually dishonest. We never say the same thing about drunk driving, um, murder, anything like that. We would never say, well, I mean, that stuff is just going to happen regardless of it's, if it, right? Um, just the same as uh, people still are killed with guns regardless of a proper permit to carry or not. Honey, yeah, I'm recording right now. You got to go. No, please. <laughs> I know. I'll give you a hug when I'm done. All right. The door is shut. Please shut it. I have a sign on there. On the air. <laughs> How old is it? I have, the, I have the exact same sign on the other side of that door. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. How old is your oldest? Six and a half. So we have five with oh, six okay. and a half years. Well, because our six kids but our oldest are 13 11 so they're pretty good at helping their mom when i'm recording at home I'm ready for by that. saying no stay out of there <laughs> so, normally i lock the door but i was like oh if veronica wakes up Lars is gonna have to get it um but yeah i think that is a very intellectually dishonest argument it doesn't hold any sway not more often than not, women will say that they would not have gotten an abortion if it had not been legal. And we actually have already seen that in Texas with the abortion laws that were enacted there. Um, like hundreds of babies, if not thousands, have been saved since um, the the law was put in for Amen. prosecuting anyone who who 
commits an abortion when they're not supposed to. So, um, yeah, that's just not true. And the data doesn't bear that out. What's your response to, um, I went to law school in 2016 for the very first time, read the decision Roe versus Wade and was astounded at the assertions that, um, uh, that, a, that abortion could not be made illegal because a, females had a pre-existing God-given or whoever given right to that. How, what's your response to, you, 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 have, you have no right to stop my abortion because it's mine by natural right. I mean, that's well, yeah, I think that's also just an bad <laughs> faith argument, and it's it it was never, never believed up until the decision of a woman had the natural right to an abortion, right? It was always understood, and, and, and it was legal in in different parts of the country prior to the Roe versus Wade. Usually, after what is called the quickening, which is when women would start to feel their child moving, um, but never had a natural natural right to kill other human beings let alone i mean unless you're in a, a you know de- truly defensive state someone's going to kill you um from without but we've never had innocent human beings right um and so one of my favorite arguments actually that i've learned i i did a lot of apologize reach and things like that was um the 10 second apologist by justice for all is by stephen wagner from justice for all and it was um i'll just go something like if it's growing, isn't it alive? And if it has two human parents, then it must be human. And if the fetus is growing alive with human parents, then it must be a human person. So why does it's like you and I? And, um, you know, I think that speaks more to the natural order of, right? You're Absolutely. on for like, where where do these humans come from? I mean, if I have a right to life, why doesn't, why don't these other people have a right to life? Um, especially b- given how innocent they are, so. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because I mean, if you're not going to subordinate yourself to your, your place in the hierarchy of creation, then you, you have actually no rights at all. And, and the concept mm-hmm. of rights becomes untenable. Um, yeah. Right, rights have to come from somewhere. They can either come from an operation of law or they must pre-exist. But in order to pre-exist, they must come from some place or someone above you in the hierarchy. So um, mm-hmm. the minute we declare absolute freedom and sovereignty over all creation, um, I've never seen a time in human history when that's worked out well. <laughs> it didn't work out well in Eden, and it's not going to work out well now. <laughs> it's really not. And I think to argue all the time, well, you can't legislate morality. You can't legislate your morality on me. Um, but the reality is, is that we legislate morality all the time. Right. Like that is the basis of (laughs) that's the that's the point of law is to ensure justice is served in a community so that people can live peaceably with one another. At the end of the day, where does that morality come from? I mean, that's the question that people who support abortion don't ask themselves. Right. Because question is, where does morality come from? Then they have to acknowledge that there is um, a created being that is justice and will um, will bring that about and has expectations for what that looks like. So, um, yeah, it's all it all comes together that way. Something something that always amazes me in just in today's world in general is this idea that are so much more sophisticated, so much smarter 
blah, 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 than our ancestors. And as, as I said on the show before, we say that, but if we didn't have a grocery store, most people don't ain't going to be able to put food on the table because they don't have any idea how, how a chicken lays an egg, much less how to butcher their cow, right? So I say all that because I, I had seen a very interesting video. It, it, it was in a uh, anti-abortion video, you know, and it said that it showed, you know, graphics of the Mayans and stuff like that about how awful they were doing uh, or how awful they were for doing uh, child sacrifice to drown out the sound of the baby screaming and you know all, all these old pagan uh, uh, civilizations would do that but today or, or I'm sorry before I go on but they would do all that to, you know to please the gods for rain or for for the crops to grow you know for good harvest or whatever and if, if fast forward today says nothing's new under the sun we still do that today except except we sacrifice children at the altar of fame of money mm-hmm. of this faux freedom right you know i'm mm-hmm. i'm free but 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 you're not and you know you uh not what was it last year the year before you had the fleetwood mac singer say that if it weren't for her abortion she wouldn't be famous well so what your the life of your child was far more important than your fame but you made the sacrifice for fame, just like the sacrifice to their false gods or their demonic gods, however you want to look at it. Um, so this idea that we're any different today than our ancestors, I mean, in many ways, we are even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely just as uncivilized. Right? Um, and yeah, I think it's kind of interesting, too, because you know, you have people offering sacrifice, they're sacrificing their children for food. Kind of what a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people say it's a financial component is why they chose to abort, right? Like they didn't want to provide for a child. Um, but really, you know, so that, so they can't buy the groceries. They can't do all that stuff. They can't work. They can't um, bring about more um, treasure, right? Like in a worldly sense, not real. The only legacy they're going to have is going to be killed when they commit that abort. Your children are your legacy. You can't bring anything else with you when you die and necessarily take care of you when you get old. Um, it's not going to love you and provide for you and your emotional well-being, but your children can and will. Um, and, and yet that's what we're killing. Because I cited today, right? Like we're very fast food culture we like to see things in front of us right away so we're not thinking about the consequences long behavior and our actions um, especially again going back to women in crisis their brains just are not functioning that way um, out past the weeds that they're in so and, and it's, it's not I'm sorry go ahead no I, I just wanted to say you also mentioned in your post in the beginning of this about how abortion is Satan's sacrament, right? And, you know, the uh, a woman who procured abortion, her no is the, is the lady's fiat. I, had, uh, I can't remember his name, but there's a former um, uh, satanic worshiper out there who I think he may have even converted to the Catholic Church, but he would talk about how he would go to abortion clinics and all they would want to do would just get a drop for their for their rituals. So mm-hmm. 
in another sense, for those who think it's just a clean medical procedure and, uh, you know, when it's done, it's done, there is far more demonic and evil things happening that you never hear about. Not uncommon for abortion. People who have come out of Satanism and whatever um, have said that abortions are committed as a blood sacrifice quite regularly. And there are, I've seen some pretty messed up groups of women like Wiccans or whatever. What are they called? Like the women of Lilith or something. But they, abortion is, the, is like their sacrament that. too. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not surprising because yeah. they're, they're, you know, in honor of such a wretched. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's true too. And that's, if the devil is, and Satanists are doing things, um, you probably be endorsing that like like the catholic right, choice yeah. you know that's, yeah. not the, that's not the team yeah. i want to be on i'm just saying no if you're catholics for choice and you're on the same team as the the satanists yeah i would say you might want to re reevaluate your stance yes well i mean talking about the team i i i, I don't know if this is going to be something you guys would agree with or if you want to push back on it i'm all, <laughs> I'm all ears but i have the opinion that it all starts with our team um it, it, 1973 is when Roe v. Wade establishes it as a, as a natural right. Uh, it was only, what, five or six years before that, that individual men in the Catholic Church believed that they had the right to sit down, that they could, that they could sit down and write a liturgy and impose it on the entire Catholic world at the, at, at the, to the exclusion of the mass that had come to them from the 2,000 years of the Society of Christians the sheer, I mean, at some point, are we going to start asking people, who the hell do you think you are? Mm. Who mm -hmm. do you think you are exactly? We've got, we've now deteriorated. We have German bishops saying that the catechism needs to be changed. Imagine the hubris of believing that you have a, a higher moral superiority. To, you, you're morally superior to Jesus of Nazareth. Who do you think you are? And I don't think the abortion issue or, or society's uh, um, uh, you know, framing of this issue is ever really going to be put right until we can get to a point where the Catholic Church can start saying, I'm sorry, you just have no right to do that. And that's mm -hmm. the end of this discussion. I don't have to, you know, you don't need reasons why you don't have the right. You just don't have it. Who do you think you are? Mm -hmm. And uh, because that that in and of itself is what sin is. It's, it, sin is you're you're stepping outside of your place in the hierarchy of creation. And so and we, we've got to get to a point where we can understand that we can we must root ourselves in our in in the traditions of the past, even if we may have different understandings of some things now. But, you know, th there's got to be. Um, a, a framework by of, of things that we can all agree we're just not allowed to do. Um, I wonder when that's going to happen. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I, it's going to be very strange. But I, I don't know when. When you just finally stand up and start telling people no. Yeah, I think. I mean, again, it kind of goes back to one, yeah. One of the issues that we have in the church right now is that um, we have a very effeminate church. Um, not in its true structure. Our true structure is very patriarchal and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's just, that's how we are. And, um, you know, we could talk more about that, but I mean, I think we all understand the Catholic church is a patriarchy. Um, 
you know, and that's not meant to be offensive. It's just that different role to play in it. It's no lesser than, um, you know, I think only in religion that venerates women and acknowledges Mary's role as being the highest human to have ever existed, right? About it. I think that's really powerful. Like when you look at how God made us, it's pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, I think the church has. has... <laughs> and, the, and the ironic thing is, it's <laughs> the the ironic thing is, is that we're we're told that we are very patriarchal. We're you know we're against women in general, and then they'll turn around in the same breath and say, oh worship a goddess basically when they talk about mary and it's like well no right. one we don't worship her but but we highly venerate her above any other any other human right but 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 it just seems to me contradictory to to try to bash us for being patriarchal but then we do give due honor to the blessed virgin mary who who is a woman <laughs> right and i and think too kind of, yeah. yeah go ahead no, I was just going to say, in a very important part of the of of this discussion, we've we just entered into May. It's Our Lady's month, and yes. she is our she is our champion in this fight against against natural motherhood and and quite frankly fatherhood. And um, I, we we ought to invoke her uh, intercession and assistance often. So, yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. I was just going to add, like, you can't tackle one issue without the other right like there's always you can talk about feminism we also have to talk about masculinity because um again we were men and women were made for each other and so both have to be tackled when and within and without from you know within the church or without the church so um yeah i think that's important to talk about i really appreciate the work that you do that's got to be um, emotionally challenging, but ultimately probably very spiritually rewarding. Yep. I, th God willing, I'm more, I've not done enough. I mean, I haven't been doing stuff for out, and, out on the front lines for a long time. Um, God willing, we can continue to do this work and bring more people into this movement so that we can once and for all in our country. And in the world, did you always did you always know that in, in some sense you were going to be called to make this your apostolate, or it was it a surprise? Yes, it was a huge surprise. I went to school and was determined. Um, I was actually determined to get married, maybe in my mid twenties, maybe eventually would have some kids at some point. Um, but what I really wanted to do was travel the world, like every good millennial woman and i wanted to make like six figures working for target doing advertising so my degree is in mass communications advertising and communication studies um so that was my goal and then um yeah god really pulled the scales from my eyes about the abortion issue i had who had had a couple of abortions and so um yeah like god rocked my world and all of a sudden i was like giving up all this stuff that i was pursuing so that i could do the <laughs> Um, well, you know, you don't make a lot of money working in the pro-life world, and and I was that you know take that very small sacrifice when when I started to realize how um, how urgent this issue was, and I, that can be forgotten when you don't see um, you don't see your victims in front of you very often. So, mm. 
I was telling Mark that uh, when I reached out to you on Twitter to see if you'd want to come talk about this subject, I honestly had no idea you had such an extensive background in the pro-life movement. So I, I do want to say that that even on this episode alone, I know my if if no anything listen learns anything listen to this, I know that I learned several things uh, about the abort, abortion industry. That I that I didn't even know before, or I hadn't even considered. So I, I, I appreciate you coming on the show because it's been very um, informative, and, and hopefully our listeners will will pick up some some things that they can carry out into the real world in their pro life activism. Absolutely, and yeah, if anyone has any questions, that, um, you know, feel free to reach out to me on social media. I'm pretty active on Twitter and Instagram, so that's always a good way to reach answer any questions that anyone might have and what was the name of the podcast that you're on again uh, my podcast is called integrated with angela erickson that's you have to find it with all of those search words um people we're search gonna, just to integrate it and then they can't find it so we're going to put a link in the description uh, perfect because uh, i think the, i think the work that you do is important and i, I did want to ask you one more question before we go um one of the reasons i myself have been hesitant to dive into the pro-life argument with people who don't already agree with me or, or or understand the church's teaching or anything like that is um it can get pretty uncivilized pretty quick it, do you run across uh people from time to time who are sincere in their efforts they, they sincerely want to do the right thing they do believe they're helping women and they're willing to discuss your position with you in a calm rational manner or or is or is it just so politicized out there that it, it's just people screaming at each other from one place to the other yeah i think social media has really damaged a lot of the conversations that we could be having um, because you do have people screaming at each other um, there's a really, the organization I recommend the most to people if about um, relational apologetics, especially with abortion, I definitely recommend you check out the Equal Rights Institute. Um, it's run by Josh Brom and um, a couple other people, but they do amazing work, um, really teaching you how to have a respectful, constructive conversation with people that you disagree with. Uh, because, I mean, that's we have to take that upon ourselves. We have to temper our anger because even though this is such an awful evil issue and it feels like, why don't you get, it? we also have to keep in mind that the person in front of us is also human <laughs> dignity. And even though if it's, it's hard for us to see, we still have to treat them and they're broken. They're probably very broken. Most of us are, are broken. And, I think trying to keep that in mind can help us have an honest, respectful conversation, asking genuine, sincere questions, trying to find common ground wherever you can with the person. You know, if somebody says something about, you know, wanting to keep abortion legal in cases of rape or whatever, I mean, acknowledge rape is an awful thing, right? Like be human with them and be so dismissive of, of their perspective, but really treat them with, with human. Usually... If they're not too ragey, they will return that in kind once they feel safe in the conversation. Yeah, it goes back to the old saying, uh, you can attract more flies with honey than vinegar. Right, and no one cares how much you know until they know how much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Well, it looks like uh, we're at the end here. But no, I, I appreciate you 
if, if any of our listeners haven't checked out your podcast, Integrated with Angela Erickson, it's a good podcast. I've listened to some episodes. It uh, it really does do a good job of bringing the, like you said, bringing your faith in with your um, mind, body, and soul. Thank we you appreciate so you coming on. And uh, I'll give you uh, parting thoughts or parting words, whatever, if you want to say anything. Yeah, I just really hope that this episode today gave um, people to think, something to think about, if not even talking about pro-life feminism and maybe some ideas of how we can interact better with people who disagree with us on abortion. Actually be done with this awful evil thing. Okay. Well, we thank everybody for listening today and uh, God bless everyone and Mary Lady keep each of you.
Yeah. 